0: welcome to the transformations with jane podcast i'm your host jane nakata a coach for women who want to live their best life wherever they may be if you want to hear real stories about people living life their way and you want to learn about having more peace of mind and confidence then this is the podcast for you i hope you'll enjoy the show Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a coach for women, coming to you from Fukushima Prefecture in Japan. Thank you so much for joining us again today. I have a lovely guest for you. Her name is Tracy Northcott. She is from Australia and can be called a serial entrepreneur or a multipreneur based in Tokyo. She has a lot of things going on and I'm really excited to talk to her today and for you as well to know more about what she gets up to in Tokyo with her accommodation business called Tokyo Family Stays and recently she's also started getting into consulting with other people to help them to grow their accommodation businesses. So let's get started. So let me welcome Tracy. Tracy, thank you for joining us today.
1: Good morning, Jane. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, it's great to actually have a chance to talk to you because I often see you in various online groups that we both belong to, but it's not really a chance for us to have a chat and say, <laughs> like, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, we're, we're generally members of a, a larger group of um, Entrepreneurs or something,
1: right? I'm finding those groups wonderful for just just the com- camaraderie and just uh, you know being around other people in similar situations. And then it just really lends itself to then you know develop deeper relationships it, like this. In, you know, off uh, off the group. So I'm really enjoying the connections that uh, this horrible time has actually allowed us to uh, to develop.
0: Yeah, definitely. So well, I think we should give a little a shout-out. That's the word I'm thinking of. A shout-out to Make Much Matter group. Yeah. So Make Much Matter is a group run by Jennifer Shinkai and her other administrator people who help her. It's a really amazing group if you are in business in Japan, especially online. Well, not all online, but yeah, there's a lot of online entrepreneurs in there. Um, coaches, you name it, people in there trying to make things work in this COVID situation that we're in at the moment, which has been going on for nearly a year now. This group's been running for a year. Have you been part of the group since the very start, Tracy?
1: Pretty much. So March 2020 was horrendous for, for us in our business um, just to give you a little bit of background we yes. Uh, yes. Tokyo Tokyo family stays is a short-term rental business uh, in Japan it's called mimpaku um, commonly other places around the world would use short-term rental vacation rental Airbnb um, is one platform that you would find uh, short-term rentals for rent on our market was primarily the the inbound tourist market for anyone who's been in Japan for any amount of time over the last five, six years has just recognized that the number, the sheer demand for uh, inbound tourists um, has just grown exponentially. And so we had built a business around this demand quite successfully. And, you know, I started off with one single unit and built that up to a seven-finger, 25-unit portfolio and built a built a community around that so my husband came and worked with uh with me you know we we hired cleaning staff we hired other staff to come work with us in our very very small intimate business looking after thousands and thousands of inbound tourists every year and everything was going swimmingly our whole business model was was geared on 2020 uh, with the olympics um and then nearly 12 months ago to the day, because uh, I mean, it's Chinese New Year now that we're recording this, was mm-hmm. when we first, when we first had our first cancellations, and you know we'd heard about this disease in the news, and we thought, oh, poor China again, you know, uh, yeah. another, another horrible disease, you know, and my heart went out to, uh, to the Chinese people because, because of SARS and all those other diseases, and, oh, another kicking the teeth, that's not great. Um, and thought, oh, you know, we're, be- we're we're fine. We're Japan. We're a, a completely different country. Well, then uh, yeah. <laughs> um, we all know what happened after that. So my uh, back to make much matter. So so we I was hit fairly hard, fairly early. So Tokyo Marathon was cancelled in February last year, um, and so by March we were in the absolute. Uh, absolute mess of it all every day i was just getting thousands and thousands of dollars worth of cancellations um for people that had booked for the olympics people that had booked for cherry blossom season because um, we had a fully booked up calendar pretty much for the rest of the year and wow. it just it just slipped away within a three-week period and i swear i had post-traumatic tra- stress from that i must have just sat on my living room floor for about two weeks just like going in, in shell shock, going what has just happened, mm. and obviously being the main breadwinner for our family and having a mortgage, and it's just the horror. You know, it was just I wouldn't wish it on anybody. It was it was pretty horrendous. Make much matter came up uh, through through March because uh, a lot of other you know small business owners and and people who worked on their own. Wanted to have this, some community to some solidarity, some like, you know, what has just happened to us here. I probably didn't join until April, um, mainly because I wasn't in any fit state to, to communicate with anybody. Sure. And I know I'm not the only one. I know there are other people who were who crying every single day. Um, it was just, I think it was a combination of shock and just that feeling of being untethered, um, not knowing you know not knowing if you first of all your personal safety the safety of your friends the safety of your your elderly parents so many different emotions were coming in and it was just something that we'd never experienced before yeah it's it's been fairly traumatic and I think it's it's something that the whole world since then has been in sort of collective therapy since then We, we we needed it yeah yeah, <laughs> we've absolutely needed it, and and so having you know having a support group like the Make Much Matter has been so great because it is almost like group therapy. It's like this is happening to us. We're all aware of it. Let's call it what it is. Let's like look at it in the face, and let's take what we you know let's make the best of what we've got at our resources uh, around us, and it kind of does make things easy when you realize that you you're not alone. Um, and I think I should have joined Make Much Matter earlier than I did because I was pretty much alone, well, except with my husband and my child um, in the house for all of March. And not having that, and because we locked ourselves inside as well, not having that sort of connection to the outside was just quite disorientating and I don't think that's quite healthy for, for, for us social creatures as humans. So yeah, make much matter really did throw me a lifeline, um, and I'm forever grateful to, to Jen and, and everyone else who just uh, just was so generous with um, their um, you know their love and care and concern. And I hope that I've been able to you know pay that forward as well back into the group. So that's what's been just marvelous.
0: Yeah, I have to say I joined. Well, I knew about it, but I just. Obviously, I've been in Sweden for, like, the last year, but somehow I knew about this, maybe um, through another group that we've been members of that, that this was happening. But only sort of last November that I started to take an active part in the group. And I was like, oh, God, why didn't I do this so much earlier? Silly. It's been fantastic to be part of it um, since November, to be an active part of it since November. And, yeah, I'm really... Really, really excited to be more of an active part of it. Now that I'm in the same time zone as you guys, Because being in Sweden didn't really help that very much. All the good things were happening when I was asleep or at one o'clock in the morning, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I can imagine, like, even in just the last few months, where we're feeling a little bit more like we kind of, not like, we're sort of like, perhaps we're getting a little bit used to this new normal they keep talking about, compared to March last year when everything was just coming at us from all different directions like borders are closing we didn't know how bad the virus was all this sort of stuff and last Mm -hmm. March I was stuck in Japan (laughs) I didn't actually want to be in Japan I wanted to be in my home uh, which was in Sweden at the time but we were in this under the Ichiji Kikoku Mayday from my Mm -hmm. husband's company that all the women and children were ordered home and my husband demanded that he'd be able to come with us. So we weren't even in our own home. We were living in an apartment provided by the company, which was built in the early 1970s. <laughs> it was not pleasant. Yeah, if I had joined much, Make Much Matter, then I think that would have been really, really helpful. So um, if you are yeah, feeling alone, then check out the show notes. I will have a link in there and you can ask to join the group. And yeah, maybe you will be an excellent member uh, for the group as well as yeah, contributing something to the group as well as receiving something from the group, which is the great sort of feeling of, was it, solidarity, uh, feeling less alone, all of those things that, yeah, it's it a was, really good group. It, there's, there's no nastiness in there. It's all, it's all no. positive. Yeah, I really appreciate that.
1: The nice thing is is that it sort of, what what it really gave was some structure to my week when all of my usual routines had just been thrown out the window and, uh, and I did feel quite untethered and so did everyone else but forcing you to have that we're well, not forcing you but having the opportunity to at the beginning of the week on Monday have an accountability call with everyone else going okay what's my intention for the week and actually giving you some some framework and at the end of the week celebrating okay well I did this let's celebrate that good on me or you know this was hard like I'm either going to not do this next week, or I'm gonna do something different. Just gave some like bookends to the week, and just gave some feeling of um, security almost. Because yeah. Yeah. yeah, at that time there was just no routines. Everything was changing from week to week, and just having something that you could as a touchstone rely on. That I'm going to be doing this at eight thirty in a Monday morning, um, and I'm going to be with people as, and I'm going to see those same friendly faces. Just just really helps get it get into a new routine which i think i think humans need it i'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist there must be some reason for that um but uh it it just really helped then put some you know baby steps and let's let's see what we've got in front of us and let's deal with what we can deal with you know day to day rather than looking six months 12 months which we can't which we can't predict right now
0: no we definitely cannot Yeah. So thank you, Make Much Matter and Jennifer and and all of the members out there who make it a great community. And yeah, if you'd like to know more about that, definitely check out the show notes. So Tracy, tell us a little bit more about, yeah, this Tokyo Family Stays. How, how did you, like, how long have you been doing this? Like, where did you start? When did you start all of this?
1: I started, I guess it was 2011. I've always loved real estate. I've always been, you know, I even to roll back a little bit further, um, my brother and I have been running, we've been self-employed, um, small business owners, entrepreneurs for 20 years. That's how long I've been doing this with my brother. We've been, and the philosophy we've got with the, having a company is that it's a vehicle to, to follow opportunities that, that you would like to pursue, whether they're passion projects or, uh, things that are going to, uh, make a profit, but having that having that company structure in place, obviously with the with the team, gives you some some freedom to act upon opportunities quickly when they come across your door, and there's no excuse then of uh, not jumping on opportunities when they come knocking, because the like you know the LLC is in place, and and uh, you can you, you can really take up take up an opportunity quickly. So my brother and I have done everything from running a bar in Golden Guide to um, to having a real estate agency to software development and you know running the software development ran through all different all different platforms from from iPhone, sorry, iMode, Palm Pilots you know, this I'm talking twenty years ago. Um <laughs> yeah. so
0: this is amazing. When people
1: stuff. <laughs> we yeah. so this is really, really geeky, really, really geeky stuff. Then because you know, there's an, there's almost like an evolution of technology. We were just sort of catching each wave as it was as it was rising, then letting that life cycle of say a Palm Pilot. You start it and you you do some work, and then obviously um, it's diminishes in um, in opportunity. So you let that one let that one drop, and then meanwhile you've already started looking at the next device or the next device, and so that's what we've been doing for the last twenty, thirty years or something. And then in 2011, so I um, I had my baby in 2010. He's 10 now, um, so he's not a baby anymore. At that time, I was getting, uh, you know, the grandparents wanted to come visit. Um, they didn't want to come visit me. They just wanted to come and see their grandchild. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And my husband's parents and my husband's uh, sister. And, and um, so we were getting a lot more visitors and – you know, we're in a two-bedroom apartment in Tokyo, and which was fine when we had two bedrooms, but then we had the baby who needed a bedroom. So we couldn't then host uh, our family and friends. And, you know, my dad can't get down on a futon on the living room floor. It's just it's had both knees done. He's had a hips done. You know, it's like, no. So yeah, this is just when Airbnb was really picking up. Uh, so they started renting them. And it was like, oh, this is really handy. You know, I can, mum and dad can come and visit. They can stay close by. They can ha- they can have their own space, which is great. Uh, you love your in-laws, but they have the lifespan of a what of a dairy product. After a few days on the counter, they begin to yeah. smell. So, uh, so having something nearby is great. And so I thought, well, you know, this is a this is an, another opportunity. And my love of real estate means that I could. You know, I could rent an apartment close to my house. I could guarantee that I would fit it out to be comfortable for my target customer, which is my mum and dad, give them everything that they need. And then if I can rent it out 50% of the time after that, I've covered my costs. And that was the goal. Uh, My goal was just to to, um, have a second apartment that could be used for family and friends for free um, and that would just be a zero-sum game. Well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was 2000. That was 2011. Just when the Japanese government was being very, very proactive in trying to increase the number of inbounds, so they released, the, so they reduced um, the the barriers to entry for visa restrictions and uh, spending a lot of time marketing Japan outside, and it became on the bucket list of so many people. And then, as more people came. They went home, they told, you know, they told their friends and family how great a place Japan was to visit. The economy, having been so flat for so long, meant that, you know, Japan's actually a fairly reasonable place to visit in terms of getting around and eating. It's not the really highly expensive place that, that is still in the minds of people. It's actually quite a reasonable place to visit. Um, there's so much to do. There's amazing snow. Um and then at the same time, was in this growth of of, um, of Airbnbs, meant that more families could travel easily. And with the success of my first place, I went, well, hang on, there's something in this, there's a there's a need, I'm fully booked. I don't even have enough space for my family and friends to come stay, because I'm fully booked <laughs> all the time. So, and I did some back of the envelope numbers, and just went, well, there's a, there's a lot of meat in here, so with my brother and I, we, we started opening up multiple properties um, and just grew it from there. And then we recognised who our ideal client were and, and making sure that, um, you know, we were really niching down then in, in the market to, to look after a certain segment of the inbound tourist market. Um, and uh, we just grew the business grew the business that way. And it became a seven-figure business within five years, um, which, bl- like, when I looked at the numbers, I just blew my head off. So I think we're doing this. So I know uh, um, we knew we were doing something right. Kept everything documented. We um, we then built a brand, which is Tokyo Family Stays. So we knew who we, who we were trying to target, who we best were looking after, and making sure that that particular market segment was extremely happy. And we get a lot of repeat bookings, and the nice thing is that the surprising joy out of this has been that we've made a lot of people happy, and we've been a part of their Japan experience, and we've made their, uh, you know, we, we've, we're a part of their memories. I know that can get a bit cheesy and a bit sort of, you know, dry. <laughs> but but um, I really do believe that. That's been, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm I feel good about what we've created. And also it's enabled us to build a house and some financial freedom for my family. But I also feel good about this business that we've built.
0: Wow, that is, yeah, that's an amazing story. Like in five years going from, I mean, obviously there was a a mix of right place, right time, right things happening, but noticing, yeah, what you were doing right and really capitalizing on that. And yeah, creating something that you could be really proud of as well. It wasn't like, you created something that you were ashamed of, well, not ashamed of, but didn't bring you joy. Yeah, there's all these families that you were hosting and giving them an amazing experience in Japan that they would go home and, and it would be like a, a lasting memory for them. That is very, very, very cool. It must been must have been a yeah really rewarding... Well, it is a reward. It's not over, is it? it? <laughs> it's a rewarding it,
1: thing, yeah. It's also... What I'm also trying to do is change the, you know, change the image around Minpaku a little bit because, you know, when a lot of tourists started coming into Japan, um, there was a lot of new faces, a lot of people from different countries who were pretty much fresh off the boat into Japan. It did was a bit confronting, I think, for a lot of locals in a lot of ways, and there had there was a little bit of a backlash, especially was, yeah. when there were some when there were some hosts out there not doing a good job and not helping their guests be good community members and they were just trying to be slumlords and get heads in beds and and um and i understand how i don't want to say disruptive I, I can understand how some negligent hosts have given the industry a bad name and i'm i'm trying to overcome that a little bit because what i really spend a lot of time doing is working with other small businesses in my local community so the mum and dad restaurants, the um, the yaki, you know, the yakitori place, the the soba restaurant, and I have built up relationships with those with those restaurants, and I introduce my guests to those local restaurants for a real local feel. Yeah. Now some some of those restaurants, I'm not allowed to pay when I go to those places. They just have so grateful that I've been able to introduce them to a new market, and I really feel like I'm trying to give. A back to Japan a little bit in that I'm showing, because I'm, 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 I'm a migrant, I'm here beco- by choice. My husband's Australian um, and we're here by choice. We love it so much and we've built a life here and we want to show that to, to other people coming in. So what I'm really trying to do, not single-handedly, but um, there's, a, there's a number of hosts out there like me who, who are also doing the same bit. For the sharing economy, and also for Japan to show, to show inbound tourists how wonderful life like a local is. So yeah, I'm quite proud of what we do, and I'm really proud that I've been able to support other small businesses in my community, and really have that sort of impact at a local level. Um, and I'm going to sing that for them from the rooftops. I'm not ashamed of what we do. There's with some of the pushback from Minpaku, it was it was almost like. Um, people had a a negative view about Minpaku hosts or people doing their Minpaku business um, because of the pushback in the press and the bad rap we got in the press. And, you know, and I'm walking around the city, I'm like walking around the town going, you know, I'm not going to wear that. I'm not going to have any sort of shame because look at what I'm doing in my local community. And I'm trying, you know, actively trying to get good stories like that into the media to try and change the mindset um, around um around the industry and around the people who provide this sort of service
0: yeah that's that's really great because yeah when people visit their their dollars flow into the community as well and it's great that you are being like a bridge between those first timers and with your knowledge and connections you can guide them to the real experiences which are not the things that potentially they are finding on instagram or um However, people find things these days. If you're a Japanese person, you would be looking in your travel guide, wouldn't you? Your Lurubu mm-hmm. or whatever it is. It takes years and years to get those connections and things. But, yeah, to give your guests a shortcut to those um, to those amazing experiences and wonderful people, is, uh, that's really – that's yeah, they can't put a price on that, can you?
1: It's, mm-hmm, exactly. it's priceless. I mean, yeah. It is priceless. But I'm pretty picky about – who I let stay as well so it's a I'm, I'm vetting the guests to make sure this is an experience that they want um, if someone is looking for a cheap accommodation then I'm not the right host for them and there's plenty of places that are offering cheap accommodation and there's you know there's a key for every lock you know there's a market for, for every need but my market is really for people who are wanting that local experience who are, who are wanting to take on that community responsibility of making sure that the trash is out on the right day i mean those are the little things about what life is like here and this is actually a value to people who are coming in um they want to know what what it is you know it's not just necessarily the, the sightseeing that they're doing but what is life like for the average japanese person well you've got to put your rubbish out on a particular day you you know you go shopping you don't usually drive to the supermarket. You go you go shopping with your string bag, and you buy what you need every day. And when you've been here a long time, you sort of forget that that's very different to how people live in other in other places. And all of my guests who come in, they want to understand that. They want to show their kids what life is like for other people in other countries. And it's I just think again, it's a bit cheesy and a bit trite, but you know, it is providing a bridge to global understanding and and uh, um, and all of those lofty, lofty ideals. <laughs> but I keep that in, you know. I keep that as a, as a, as a value and a goal, it be, and it, that keeps you going when, um, you know, when, <laughs> when the minutiae of the day, you know, sort of grinds you down a little bit. You just sort of think, well, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing overall, and try, try and keep that, um, keep that, as a, as a high dream, as a, as a, um, as a goal. That way. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, here in Fukushima, obviously, we have long been suffering with a lack of tourists um, coming here since 2011, and mm-hmm. in my local community um, there, I teach, I well, I've been teaching English to this group of women who are all, they all own, like, belong to a family that owns ryokan, and they are in this particular on small onsen town that has not seen a heyday for a, a very long time let's just say so I, I wonder how they stay in business but they stay in business and they keep going and so post 2011 when i came into their um their sort of circle through this english class that i was teaching them i was just amazed at their um, just they just keep doing things like they just stick at it um persistence is the word i'm thinking of their persistence despite just how bad things are in this part of Fukushima. And um, if you go to other areas in Fukushima, like um, the central sort of part of Fukushima or Aizu-Wakumatsu, there's a lot of tourism happening there now, but not here on the coast where I live, um, which is still trying to find its way back or trying to get people to come back. To visit us or just to even appeal as a place to visit. And so I started sort of working with them to try and see how we could attract more foreigners. And I think we even talked about this a little bit at um, one of the Mm -hmm. clothes swaps. But that was one thing that I really noticed was like, wow, if I invite foreigners to come here, I'm kind of inviting them on. I'm kind of inviting them, I have to make sure they behave themselves while they're here. That was, <laughs> that was basically what it came down to. If I invite these people to come here, um, I have to make sure that everybody has a good experience from this because I'm putting my, my name into the hat here. So that was a bit tricky, I felt for me, like my reputation was almost at stake um, in that.
1: It's, were it's were you more yeah. worried about the the behaviour of the people coming on the trips, or the the experience that they were gonna that they were gonna be disappointed with the experience that they had? Which
0: I was I was a little bit worried of both. Um, were they going to re- receive a warm welcome, and were they going to act in a way that you know wouldn't offend the local people? That was it was sort of a both those mm-hmm. sort of things, yeah. Because um, I wasn't – because this area has not traditionally had foreign visitors, yeah. It's mm-hmm. only been a Japanese market here. But, you know, desperate times and all of that, and all of this money flowing into Japan with these, you know, millions and millions of inbound guests, it was it was like, why can't we have a piece of that pie here too? <laughs> it mm-hmm. was, But, yeah, not some people were not thrilled about that, yeah, in, in the community where I was working. So that's kind of put a – I'll put a kibosh on it, but I just realise I have to tread carefully here um, about this as we move forward. So anyway, I think things are on hold a little bit here at the moment, um, given that there are no guests coming in the, I, I, for the wasn't future. The, wasn't
1: the government, um, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, that wasn't the, some of the plans for the Olympics going to be that one of the training camps was going to be in that area to try and sort of shine a spotlight on um that fukushima is safe um that does that's that's the there's sort of two schools of thought i think that um there are people who are wanting to come and throw their tourist dollars there because they know how how important it is uh at the same time um there are people who probably are interested in going but are, are worried about their own um safety because they've heard they haven't had a lot of education about what the level of um about how safe it actually is, I don't know what my point was mm, it, quite then. Yeah, yeah. So yeah,
0: I, I know what you mean. Um, they did try, but um, and they had like the the relay. The relay was to pass through here and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. But that's that's just like a flash in the pan of like ten years of no visitors, um, mm-hmm. and also a lot of things that Fukushima Prefecture promotes is not actually related anything to the area that was damaged by the tsunami and the nuclear disaster. That's sort of like almost, and I don't want to say this is their what they're doing, but it's almost like they're too embarrassed to, well, not embarrassed, but don't want to put us forward, yeah? So mm-hmm. anything, a lot of, like, sort of 80% of what you'll see about Fukushima is unrelated to the areas that were actually damaged by the tsunami um, or the directly related to the um, nuclear disaster. Yeah, it's more the in, inland and Aizu mountain areas that mm-hmm. look nice on the um, it's easy to ro- promote areas where there's snow and samurai and castles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's that's what we're battling up here. So, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll have to hire Tracy Northcott Consulting <laughs> to come and sort us out. So tell us a little bit what you're doing at the moment. Um, how, like, Obviously, Tokyo Family Stays is still running, not in Mm -hmm. the way it was, but you're also doing other things at the moment to leverage your knowledge.
1: Sure. I mean, um, so when you can't do, you teach, right? So so what we did, so there's been a couple of. There's been a couple of prongs to that. So first of all, we took a – you know, when I picked myself up off my living room floor off the out of the fetal position and and um, re- recognised that I needed to take a little bit of action because things just – I couldn't turn back time. So um, put on my big gauze pants and looked at which houses we're going to be – we're keeping which houses we were going to let go. So I spent a long time closing down houses, getting rid of furniture, putting things into storage. And we were also looking after – people like yourself who had been called back to japan from wherever they they were indonesia america um china and they didn't have a house that they could stay in so we had long like you know month two month rentals in some of these houses of japanese families who couldn't go back um so we've we've hosted a number of families for, for that reason um, and we're also doing quarantining so people that have business visas that are, that are coming in so they need places to quarantine for two weeks or, or more um, so that's what we that's what we did so we shrunk our inventory down um, and, uh, and and then went sort of to a midterm uh, you know a middle market a mid market um, and then of course I'm now thinking about putting some plans in place to, to ramp up again now that things seem to be heading in the right direction. I'm touching wood and I'm not trying to jinx anything here. So what I did also was I felt I needed an outlet um, and I needed to do something constructive and and create something out of this. So I started to write and I started writing a blog and um, I really had a focus on uh, giving my, you know, I'm not a a guru, I'm not an expert. Uh, I just talk about what is from my opinion about what good hospitality is all about, how to create it, how to set up a house, how to um, how to do, how to think about duty of care, how to think about who your ideal guest, and also focus on your the host's unique skills, and try to be of service to other people who are looking either to get into the market or to build a business and scale based on. Uh, property that they either own or manage or have access to or, you know, they've got granny's house and they want to, you know, monetize that for the family. There's there's all sorts of opportunities um, and I just wanted to, to speak to that particular host and, and just give them some skills and some tools um, to, to, build, to build a business. So, that's what I've been doing. Um, and so, I've been writing a blog. Um, I've been coaching people one-on-one um i 've been looking at their uh, looking at their listings and auditing um so outside of japan i mean the short term rental market is booming, believe it or not so in japan obviously we 've suffered because most of our most of our customers were inbound tourists, and when the borders closed that dried up but places and countries where they have a strong domestic travel demand and a strong domestic acceptance of short-term rentals as a whole, um, and I'm talking Australia, New Zealand, um, America, Europe. Those places are absolutely booming because no one's wanting to want to go and stay in a hotel um, where you where you're possibly going to be meeting people in lobbies and breakfast buffets elevators and all those and
0: yeah.
1: elevators and and. Uh, the, and also, ev- people, everyone working from home, um, and working from home when you've got when you're homeschooling, and you know you need an office to have your Zoom meetings and 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 what have <laughs> yeah. you. People are wanting a change of scenery, so. The, the U.S. market, if it's a drive-to market, if it's a cabin in the woods, if it's uh, someone by the lake, if it's a resort by the beach, they are having the best years of their lives. So I'm giving them a helping hand to maximize their business and, and maximize their profits um, and to really look after, look after their guests uh, in an excellent way. With exceptional hospitality.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Like, obviously, your um, your knowledge translates to other countries, right? So, if you're listening and you're not in Japan, and you're thinking about this, well, then, yeah, definitely check out what Tracy has to offer, so you can like make a success of your Airbnb from the start rather than slowly finding your way there <laughs> through many mistakes and whatnot. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. It's because it's, it, hospitality is a human based. The things that I help people. The, the things that I coach people through um, really does, doesn't does have a citizenship or a race or a nationality. It's, it's a human-based ho- hospitality mindset. So figuring out who you best serve. Now, who your ideal customer is going to be is very different from who my ideal customer is going to be. So I've helped people who have um, properties where they don't have children, where they don't allow children on property. Um, whereas my ideal guests, I'm I'm welcoming people that have children because that's who I know I can help the best. But um, there are I give people permission if they don't like other people's children, you don't have to host them. If you don't like other people's dogs, you don't have to host them. Um, but if you do, then there is a market for you, and I'll help people how to find that market and how to speak directly to their ideal guest and make sure that they're the ones who are coming to stay
0: yeah know who your customer is and and focus on them can't go well can't go wrong (laughs) it's gonna lead to less wrongs. that's for sure yeah
1: and that's right Mm -hmm.
0: so um obviously there are still many of us foreigners here in japan who can't go anywhere right we even if the summer coming perhaps we want to go we probably a lot of us don't even have the confidence to leave the country, just in case we can't get back. Um, so, yeah, I would really hope that you will search out Tokyo Family Stays and use them if you're going to be coming to Tokyo. I know I'll definitely be looking there before I look at like other hotels because, yeah, hotels in Japan are just so depressing. I just, like, they're they're just so
1: small and uh, no, yeah, and smelly. Yeah, you know, a Japanese business hotel is small and stinky. And you know, if you've got a family with a couple of kids, you know, you want to be able to, you know, plonk them in front of a like on the sofa, and and you need to be able to get into a different room room and read a book. Um, so yeah. that's what that's what we do, uh, and you know, obviously full internet fast internet netflix um we have dvds believe it or not which are quite popular and books and
0: (laughs) technology old technology
1: (laughs) look at this mum! what's this thing do yeah (laughs) what's this thing do yeah exactly Mm.
0: (laughs) yeah i've seen some of the i've seen some of the beautiful properties you have so i think they just look really good and they look like they're in amazing areas with like loads of you know nice restaurants around them and all those sorts of things so yeah, a really nice place to stay if you're heading to Tokyo. Oh, I can always tell you
1: the best places to eat. All the best places to eat and hang out and, you know, go to the park and take your daily walk. Um, and oh, I know all the best places to go.
0: There you go. So, yeah, check out our show notes for Tokyo Family Stays. Check them out. Um, so, yeah, I'd really, I mean, I'm just talking off the top of my head here. I'd love to see, like, a connection to your, the other places that you've helped around Japan um, for those, you know, if we're not traveling to Tokyo, for example, maybe we're heading to, I don't know, Saitama or wherever. Um, if you've got, do you have properties that you've, with the people you've helped in other places around Japan?
1: Yeah, I've helped some people um, in Tokyo. I've helped some people in um, uh, the wilds of Chiba, um, who've done sort of very high-end, very high-end um, permaculture uh, resorts. Um, I've helped um, folks that are in places like uh, uh, Guma, Nagoya, and Osaka. So these aren't places that I have or manage. These are these are clients that mm-hmm. um, that uh, I've given a helping hand to. So uh, this is just there's so much opportunity, and there's um, there's just so much diversity. I mean, the biggest thing when people think about Airbnb is that they're all the same. Um, whereas when you really dig into it a little bit, there is just so many different market niches within this marketplace. Um, and there's, like I said, there's a key for every lock. Um, and there is something for everybody. I mean, there's yurts and there's a glamping and um, – uh there's all sorts of things so you know i'd love to help more people around japan at the moment i'm i'm really uh helping you know a lot of my clients are coming from from the u.s and from australia but you know i'd love to be helping some japanese folks so that i can go travel and stay in them (laughs) so
0: yeah yeah right exactly be part of tracy's Mm -hmm. team like yeah mm, join the crew
1: (laughs) yeah most of the issues like not issues but most of the things that that I find that people in Japan uh, tend to need help with, it, uh, uh, especially if you've, you've not had a lot of contact with sort of inbound tourist market, um, is sort of understanding that the the needs and wishes of um, people coming in is is different from what a Japanese domestic traveler is, and just a few tweaks of of what you've got can um, can make the can just give a few touch points to. Uh, to inbound guests, uh, just to make them feel more comfortable.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm definitely looking for um, a really nice place to spend some time this summer, since we're going to be not going to New Zealand for this summer. So I'll be I'll be on the lookout for somewhere to to stay. But if you, I think, like uh, if you were thinking about it, uh, setting up Mimpaku now is the time. Like, why not do it now? and then you'll be ready for when the borders are open, people can travel again, I reckon, yeah.
1: Oh, there's such a pent-up demand. I think, you you know, on all of the message boards and all of the places that I hang out, everybody is just saying, as soon as I can travel, I will. Uh, As soon as I can travel overseas, they will. So there's going to be an absolute boom. I mean, of course, at the start, the airlines are going to have to start ramping up again and planes are going to have to come out of sarin wrap and get back into service again. (laughs) I think they're all sitting in the Australian desert, apparently. There's a a... (gasps) whole… Really? Is that where they're putting them? Well, it's dry.
0: Is that a good place for planes then?
1: Yes, they need to be kept dry. When they're not flying, uh, they need to be dry. So they're wrapped up in plastic in various… in deserts. Oh, my God. That's so interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean… Yeah, just the lack of flights is really a problem at the moment, like even trying to get back from Sweden to Japan. like Sweden's not really on any major routes that fly from Japan. There's no route to Sweden. You have to go via somewhere, and that's always a danger at this time. <laughs> so, yeah, like not being able to fly to Japan, yeah, is a bit of a problem. I really hope that, yeah, a few more flights can start coming and people can start travelling when it's safe to again. In the meantime, Which way did you can- come through? So we wanted to get to Kansai Airport. So from Gothenburg in Sweden, where we were, the only airline that we could do a transit without having to, like, stay overnight somewhere was with um, going through Amsterdam and KLM. Mm-hmm. And KLM have been really good. They've been, like, I've noticed they've never cancelled their flights. They've always, they've kept flying through this whole thing, unlike many other airlines um that we would have wanted to use, but I just, yeah, recently they had to shut down all their international flights because of the demands for, um, PCR tests for anybody entering, um, Amsterdam airport and things. So nobody can fly <laughs> with them anymore yeah. at the moment. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's scary. It, I'm trying not to have PTSD about that. Did that, that we, if we hadn't come back when we did, we would have been stuck basically. Um, We'll still be stuck in Sweden. But anyway,
1: moving along, <laughs> moving along. But you're from, here. You're safe. <laughs> you're in your own house. Yeah, I'm here. I'm okay.
0: That's not going to happen. But yeah, um, try not to react to the things like that that we see in the news now. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just staying in Japan. But yeah, like this summer, I really like to recreate something I did last summer in Sweden, which was hire a yeah a short term rental from someone on one of the little islands that's just off the coast of. Gothenburg city, and it's just the most beautiful, picturesque place you've ever been. And when we got off the boat, um, off the ferry, there's this um, this gentleman waiting to meet us, and he says "Konichiwa," and we're like, "Oh, that's a Swedish person who knows Japanese." That's a little odd. And then he goes, "Ah, oh, I was in Tokyo for fifteen years, and I was working, you know, working." So this person who had just randomly chosen to go and stay at their um, their their island um, summer house had been in Tokyo for god yeah for a long time it was such a funny 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 connection yeah it was, that's spectacular
1: yes. I love that
0: <laughs> yeah this is one of my favorite um favorite Airbnb stories <laughs> so yeah I'd How like to that? go I
1: think you know Sado is calling me back I think you know I think there might be a few places over Sato Island which is really quite nice um have you been there I've been to Sado a number of times. I love it, love it. Oh, really? Because yeah, that's Negata
0: Rain, which is not that far Niigata. from where I am. But I've never been, never been to Sado. No, Island. it's interesting.
1: Yeah. It's the home of the uh, Taiko drumming uh, troupe called Kodo. Yes, um, and you can go and have a Taiko drum experience with them. Yeah, it's just it's just a it's very quiet, um, and there's a there's a funny little village which is all just wooden. I guess Edo period, not that great on my history, um but that's really interesting as well there's there's enough to do, plus you can you know it's flat and you can ride bikes and lots of fresh air and sunshine and the peop- and lots of sake breweries do they have any mm. nice
0: beaches there that you could spend they, to the day
1: they do um the camping grounds over it like whenever i I've been there in the past actually gone camping which is during the earth festival for Kodo and they have a you know they have cabins over there and um uh, and a camping ground which was which was quite fun yeah so one the, the around where the the port is um it's sort of almost like a little fishing village with sort of shops and interesting things around the port there's no real beach there but on the other side of the island there is and you can just you could get get a rental car and just drive around um and hop into all these sort of empty empty little hamlets, uh, hamlets, like inlets of beaches there. That sounds mm. awesome.
0: Yeah, that's the kind of yeah. thing I want to do after being in Sweden last summer. It was just actually nice to have a summer because usually we don't have a summer. We leave Japan and go to New Zealand to winter and come back just in time for the end of summer. They're Having a summer and like going to the beach, flop. you know, just blobbing around on the beach for a day. I know you can't really do that in Japan because it's just too hot, but, you know, just being able to go to the beach when you wanted to, like, have... Like, it's a New Zealand summer, almost, yeah. Um, for me, it was just really, really nice. So this year, I'm really thinking, how can I recreate that in Japan somehow, some way? I just... Yeah. I mean, I might even not need to go all the way to Niigata to to get it. I could potentially do it here. In Iwaki City, we have beaches. I (laughs) I just need to explore my own neighborhood even a little bit. So, yeah, that's something I'm aiming for this this summer.
1: Well, some of the little islands off Tokyo-to, the Oshima Islands, so there's like, so Oshima, Nijima, Shikinejima, they're, they're sensational. Um, and there's lovely little open air onsens that are free. You can just sort of plop in there, and you can swim in the ocean. And that that they're only places that you can get to by, by ferry. Okay, they overnight have ferries ferry that go out there. Mm-hmm. Hachijojima. Also, hmm.
0: So yeah, if you're near Tokyo or something, you can do that this summer, perhaps. Yeah, that sounds really nice. Yeah, there's some amazing islands off off the coast of Japan. There's a, just all around the place. It's just getting there can be a bit, bit of a mission, I think sometimes. But those places ones like, are it, not too bad.
1: Yeah, yeah. Places like Ishigaki and like the the ones down in Okinawa, they're they're super super popular. But there's a lot of little islands off off those that where you can sort of get places as well. That they'll they'll be really hot though over the summer. Yeah.
0: Alrighty, I'm already dreaming of summer. But <laughs> no, not that I really like the summer in Japan. But yeah, it's just been. This, It's February, Ryan. (laughs) It's the coldest month. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Tracy. It was really nice to hear the background a little bit about what's been happening with you, um, how you're trying to make the best of the situation. And I really have my fingers crossed that things are going to come right. And, yeah, that Tokyo Family Stays and that we'll be taking off again soon.
1: Thank you very much. We're doing our best. Um, We're just, you know... Taking one day at a time, one day at a time. Yeah, We've got it each other. Like it. We're yep. healthy, we're healthy, and that's that's all you can do.
0: Yeah, so if you're looking for accommodation, definitely check out Tokyo Family Stays. Everyone, thank you so much, Tracy. It was great to have you on the show today.